This is Liren Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Brian Briganti of Red Leaf Ranch. Brian is a Chicago native who studied in San Francisco and worked as an artist and photographer in New York City before moving to Tennessee with his partner after decades of city living. Here, he reconnected with Mother Nature and began to live a life of abundance on Red Leaf Ranch, which he shares with infectious enthusiasm online on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and more. He recently wrote his first book, Gardening for Abundance, your guide to cultivating a bountiful veggie garden and a happier life. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Liren. <laughs> it is so great to be here, and I can't wait to chat with you about everything we have going on. I know you have a lot going on, but before we begin, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Oh my gosh, the first thing I ever cooked? Oh, it would have to be back when I was a child. I think I was five, around four or five. And I remember making uh, a Colombian tree called buñuelos, which is like a, a deep fried cheese ball, essentially. But they're such tasty treats. I remember making them with my mom when I was little. It was something we would always do around Christmas. And it literally trickled into my life today. Like every single time my mom comes over, I'm like, mom, can we make more buñuelos? Oh. <laughs> I love them. They're delicious. So easy to make and so easy to eat. Okay. I mean, you make like so many of them and they're gone within minutes. <laughs> what kind of cheese do you use? Uh, queso fresco. That sounds so good. Yeah, they're delicious. I do have a few, a few videos um, on my channels if you want to check it out. But essentially, you have like tapioca and cornstarch. Um, and you grind up uh, the queso fresco. You get it really nice and crumbly, almost dusty. You want it really soft because that makes like a really, really um, soft buñuelo. And then you mix it all together with an egg, a little bit of milk, make a ball, and you deep fry them, and there you go. So the exterior is probably nice and like chewy too, right? Because of the tapioca. Yeah. Yes, Ew. exactly. They have a really, like the outside is really nice and crunchy, but then you bite into it and it just kind of like melts into your mouth and it's really nice and savory. Um, we usually have them with like a morning cup of coffee. Sometimes you can dunk them in the coffee. Delicious. I haven't had <laughs> breakfast yet, so <laughs> now I want one well for breakfast. Okay. Well, Brian, we first met actually in the farms of Vermont. We were visiting the cows at Stonyfield Organics. And I have to admit, when I first met you and I learned your story, I was charmed because for, in person, oh. you're just a really nice person. Um, <laughs> but you found abundance everywhere we visited. And I just thought that was so fun. So maybe you could yes. just start by telling everyone a bit about yourself, what life looked like before you created Red Leaf ranch. Yeah, of course, for sure. It's so funny. I literally think about that trip to Stonyfield all the time. Yeah, and you still it have was... the robe. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I love it. I love my, my Stonyfield robe, my yeah. mug. I loved all the merch they gave us. It was really cute. But it was just such an impactful experience because, you know, being here on the ranch and like leading this more sustainable lifestyle and just seeing seeing an operation that's so in alignment with what I'm doing and in such alignment with the natural world and, and puts like the comfort of the animals, like it makes it, they make it a priority. Like it was, it was just so affirming and it was inspiring to see, you know, cause with all the things we're hearing today about, you know, industrial agriculture and the farming industry, it was so refreshing to see something so, so wholesome and so pure and so just 
like they want to do good, you know, they want to do good for the planet. Yeah, it was it was nice to see on such a huge scale, a company that has such a huge impact and footprint that really it when it comes down to it, it's really it feels very small scale. Yeah, absolutely. But seeing them do it and how big of an operation it really was like Mm -hmm. they're they're a beacon, an example of you can do it. It is possible, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's essentially what we're doing is breaking down what has been put in place now because this is how things were done before industrial farming even happened. Yeah. But that's all the conversation. <laughs> well, um, you're doing your own your own version actually. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's why I'm so excited to talk about the book because that is um something I that is so prevalent in the book. I really wanted to speak on it within the book. Um but it's crazy to even think I have a book because 5 years ago my life was vastly different. I was living in New York City. I was pursuing photography at the time. I had grown up in a big city, so it's all I had ever known. And honestly, I had just gotten so overwhelmed with city life. So when my partner moved to Tennessee to expand his nursery business, Mm -hmm. sidebar, he has a nursery business where he grows carnivorous and tropical plants. He moved to Tennessee to expand his business. And I essentially tagged along, but it was it took me some time to warm up to the idea of moving to the countryside and leave the city behind and the career I had built. But something was calling me here. Something was saying like, Brian, it is time to move on. It is time to reconnect with mother nature. It is time to take care of yourself because it is something I had not really been able to prioritize living in a city because of how, how much you just had to keep going. Like there wasn't really room or time to stop you know? Mm. So when the opportunity came and I finally came to terms with the decision, I made the leap. And the way things have fallen into place and played out since making the move has just been affirmation after affirmation after affirmation that I made the right decision. And I'm so grateful that I listened to that, to my intuition, to that inner calling to essentially uproot my life and start over. Given there wasn't really a plan when I first moved here, it was just <laughs> get away from the city uh-huh. um, and and find the the peace and quiet. And I was so traveling back and forth between New York City and Tennessee to pursue photography in New York, but rest and exist and be in Tennessee. And it was a really nice balance for a while, but then the the pandemic hit, and uh. I wasn't able to travel anymore. Suddenly I had all this free time and I was like, what am I going to do? Um, and my partner loves to garden, but he's never focused on like food production or anything. He just loves to landscape and make a, a beautiful, beautiful landscape. But with the uncertainty of like where our food was going to be coming from and all the time I suddenly had, I thought it was a really great time to learn how to grow our own food. And I kid you not, the moment I broke ground, it felt like it felt like a homecoming. It felt like an awakening. and I haven't looked back since. Wow. Your story is just crazy on so many <laughs> levels. But I mean, did you ever imagine as a little Brian that gardening would become part of your life? Did you have a garden growing up? No, absolutely not. I, I've always had an affinity for nature. I've always had an attunement to it, but I could never really like immerse myself in it because I was living in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I was in a concrete jungle, not like a real jungle. And then moving to San Francisco, San Francisco is a little bit more naturally like um, 
balanced with the city, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but even then, it was so expensive. Like, I couldn't afford to leave my house most days. Um, <laughs> and then I moved to New York City, which was an even bigger concrete jungle. So I just never really had the opportunity to immerse myself in the way that I was able to hear. Um, so I had never gardened a day in my life before coming here. But like I mentioned, it felt like a homecoming when, when I had broken ground for the first time. And everything just came so naturally. It felt like I had done it before in a way. Like in a past life. <laughs> in a few of them, I don't know. Like something was there. Um, but I mean, I've, I always tell people like the best way to learn anything new is to just get out there and experience it. Like I had done like a little bit of research of things, but mm -hmm. really I just went for it. One of the biggest, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I found while researching from many articles and blogs and videos were start small, start with like a small bed or a container garden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did not do that at all whatsoever. We <laughs> You're started, like, we're going big. We, we're going big. We started a massive garden. We had like 12 raised beds. The space we're working in is about 5,000 square feet. And we just went all in. I planted everything and anything I dreamed of. I killed a lot of plants along the way, but um, I learned. I learned through the actual experience of doing it. And with every failure that came with it, I don't know, I just fell more and more in love with it because it was another opportunity to learn, another opportunity to grow. And essentially what you're doing when you start a garden and you plant something, every individual plant that you plant, you're building a relationship with that plant. You're learning what that plant wants. You're learning what that plant needs in order to thrive. And you learn how to give that plant everything that it needs to thrive. I love and it can that. take a while to get there. It takes a while to get there. I, I don't expect, people shouldn't expect to get it from the get-go, you know? Failure is very much as part of gardening as getting all of the abundance itself, you know? You learn along the way. Well, you definitely have a green thumb, but I also really like what you're saying about developing a relationship with your plants and trying to understand their wants and their needs because I yes. think that's something that a lot of people don't really frame it as. <laughs> yeah. Um, why do you think everyone sh should garden? Like, why is it so important? I feel like the natural world, Mother Nature, is literally the pure embodiment of abundance. Mm -hmm. The energy of abundance Nature is the pure embodiment of that. So when you start gardening, when you tap into the natural world, if you allow yourself to just be and exist in the space and really observe what's happening around you, you begin to see that your garden, when you start a garden, it becomes a reflection of yourself and of the world around you. And it teaches you as you are learning how to take care and tend to these plants, it is in the same breath teaching you how to take care of yourself and the community around you. There are so many reflections in the natural world. It is literally parallel. The garden has taught me so much about myself and it's just allowed me to, to, to really align more deeply with myself and the people around me. And I don't know, living a simpler life, it just, you understand what really matters, what's really important at the end of the day. And the garden is a great place to ground yourself, to refocus yourself and learn all of those things. You know, you're, you're cultivating abundance within yourself, not just in the actual garden in the process. Um, so I always I, like I always recommend someone start a garden because it'll do 
wonders for your spiritual and overall mental well-being as well as physical well-being because you'll be able to one it's a physical labor you know it's not easy getting out there in the grueling sun and getting a garden going but the 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 sustenance that comes from having a garden and being able to have something so fresh so nutritious it just through and through it's just endless benefits starting a garden <laughs> yeah mental physical spiritual it's just it's really good you know you just reminded me how my mom would just get lost in her garden um especially when she was undergoing cancer treatment like those days she would just spend all day and get lost digging around moving things around and she would forget to cook us dinner sometimes but you know what that that time for her was so good because i think it just was so therapeutic yes. um okay brian how did your book come about i'm so excited for it I can't even believe I have a book, especially <laughs> since like I never imagined myself being like a uh, one a gardener, two a quote unquote influencer, mm -hmm. and three an author in yes. the garden space. It's it's just so wild to me, especially like I said five years ago, my life was vastly different. Right. Um, but once I started gardening, about a year after starting my journey, I started sharing things on social media. And they really took off. Like, literally, it felt overnight. Within three months, I went from 1,500 followers on TikTok to over a million. And I just kept riding that wave. Um, and I feel like what made my content so engaging and so inviting was the fact that I was a beginner in this space and sharing the excitement of discovery along the way, like the passion and the joy that it truly brought me. Like, I feel like that's what made uh, my channel so successful. And, you know, over time, it just kept growing. We're almost like 3 million followers now, which is so wild. Amazing. But last year, um, Page Street Publishing actually reached out to me and they were like, hey, we love what you're doing. Would you like to write a book? <laughs> <laughs> and it, the timing of it was so wild because I had already been thinking of writing a book. I had put out previously like an online course where I'm teaching people um, how to garden. But the opportunity to, to write a book, I, I just couldn't pass it up. So I, I said yes and got to work. And I, it's so special to write a book because unlike the guide I had done previously, like I'm not very much, I'm not a scripted person. Like even with my content, you'll see, I just go out and film what's, yeah, I just go out and film what's going on. And that's what makes the excitement and the passion and the joy so genuine because you're seeing it real time. Mm -hmm. As it happens, you are capt I'm capturing it. Um, but what's so special about writing a book is you're really able to sit down and really think and, and really put words together in a way that's going to convey your message as powerfully and as beautifully as as you can. Um, and it allowed me to really hone my message and, and, and just take it to another level beyond the things I had done before. Like, I'm not just teaching people how to garden. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I speak so much about what the garden has taught me about aligning with myself, how we should take care of ourselves, how we should take care of our communities and cultivate that abundance from within mm -hmm. so that we can cultivate abundance outside of ourselves, not just in the garden, but in every other facet of our lives. That was something I didn't expect. You talk about how you are the same as your garden and it's like learning self-care. Yes. So I love the analogy of waters to plants as joyful and fulfilling experiences is to us and yes 
concepts like pruning, we do need to prune once in a while, including in our own lives. And we do need to make sure that it will sustain itself. So I love those parallels, Brian. It's so... (laughs) I didn't think I would get that. I thought, you know, you would just be like, okay, well, here's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's really cool. Exactly. And that, that's what I wanted this book to be. Like, there's so many garden books out there. There's so many gardeners creating content out there. I'm like, what can I bring that's going to set this apart? One. And two, what can I bring in terms of like, what has the, gar- outside of being able to get all of this abundance, what can I share with people in terms of like the impact that the garden and just reconnecting with mother nature has really had on me because I think once we like, we, we've just become so disconnected from the natural world, you know? And with that, we've become so disconnected with ourselves, with our communities and the way things should really be. Um, so that's something I really wanted to, to make sure was really prevalent in the book and, and share within the book. Like, I really just want this, like, Yes, I want people to learn how to garden, but I, I want this book to have just a, a much deeper impact than just that. I want to, people to learn how to take care of themselves in the process. Mm. Okay. So for the beginners out there, and I'm going to include myself in here because <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like some container gardening. I really would love to do a real garden sure, day, yeah. but every year I just feel like uh, it's too late in the season and I missed my opportunity. But anyway, what or how, sh- how do we decide what to grow? Well, in my book, I explain this as well. Um, everyone has their own unique set of conditions. So my book is pretty universal. It's not very tailored to like just zone 7B growing, which is what, what zone I am in. Um, I'm uh. essentially teaching people how to analyze and assess their own unique conditions, learn their conditions and understand their conditions so that they can you know, bring plants in and learn how to care for those plants within those unique conditions. For example, like I'm in zone 7B, but someone like a few miles down the road also in zone 7B is going to have vastly different conditions than I do based on the actual like geography of their place. Like what kind of soil do they have? Um, Is it more elevated than mine? Do they get more rain? Because here we have microclimates. So like Mm -hmm. 10 miles down the road is going to be vastly different than mine. Do they get more shade? And what is the intention of the garden? You know, like there's so many varying factors. Um, So to really like pinpoint what you want to grow, you really have to think about the intention of what you want your garden to be. Like, do you want it to be a food garden? Do you want it to be something that's more like therapeutic and floral, just like ornamental? Like the intention is so important. And before even growing anything, I think the most important thing is to like, attune your mindset to one of abundance already Mm. so that you go in already in alignment with abundance and and not afraid to fail or make a mistake so that no matter what you plant and whatever the experience is whether it's what you planned for or not you're you're ready to keep going you are grateful for the experience regardless of what it is That is a good point. Yeah. But to also make it simple, (laughs) in simpler terms, if you want to get started with a garden, a really easy plant to start with would be kale. I always recommend people start with kale. Kale is such an easy plant to grow. Wow. Surprised you mentioned kale and not like tomatoes, which I think a lot of people try to like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kale is a very low maintenance plant. Mm -hmm. Like you plant it, you water it. 
and it just kind of does its own thing. Tomatoes kind of need a little bit more, more maintenance, a little bit more care, a little bit more consistency with when it comes to like pruning and feeding and training it up a trellis and things like that. Like it's a little bit more work on tomatoes. (laughs) <laughs> but okay. I love tomatoes. It's so fun. <laughs> okay. I get it. That makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about biodiversity very quickly. What are the three sisters? Oh my gosh. I love biodiversity. Um, the three sisters is um, a Native American planting method, a technique of planting three amazing crops together. You have your pole beans, you have your corn, and you have your squash. And the reason they call it the three sisters is because they work in harmony to essentially uplift one another so that all of them can grow to their fullest Mm -hmm. potential. You maximize the space that you're growing in because you're able to plant these three plants together and they work in harmony together. You maximize the yield that you're able to get within a smaller amount of space because you're growing more in a smaller amount of space. And three, you're also increasing the biodiversity within your garden. And I speak on it within my book, but biodiversity in the garden along with soil health. Well, um, that's a whole other topic. But um, (laughs) those two things, I would say, are really the most important thing to have a very naturally attuned and all-natural organic garden. Like, I don't spray any pesticides. I never use any toxic, persistent chemicals in the garden. And I attribute my success in the garden to companion planting and building that biodiversity. And the Three Sisters is a beautiful example of how successful it can be. But I like to take it a step further and also incorporate flowers in the mix. Like, oh, co- nice. yeah, cosmos are a really, really beautiful companion plant. They help repel corn earworm. And there's varying varieties, some that bush, some that get taller. Um, so it's a really fun plant to introduce into the mix, along with uh, nasturtiums, which is an edible plant, as well as an amazing companion plant in the garden that repels certain pests, but also attracts predatory insects. Um, so you're essentially what you do when you companion plants and build biodiversity, you're creating an ecosystem within your garden, right? Mm-hmm. So every single time you plant something, it's going to attract a different, uh, member of wildlife when you do so. So the more you plant, the more wildlife you're going to attract. And when you do that, you essentially start building a hierarchy within the garden and it starts taking care of itself because now you have literally an army of other insects helping you or other birds helping you along the way in your garden journey. Yeah. I remember when you shared the cosmos and I was like, oh, my mom had cosmos in the garden. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, they're also beautiful. That's what's so Mm -hmm. fun about it. It's an excuse to plant more things. Yeah. (laughs) But there's just so many beautiful varying plants and seeing them harmonize together in the garden in that way and then being able to to literally reap the fruits of your labor and get such abundance in the process. It's ah, it's such a beautiful experience. I love it so much. <laughs> so speaking of that abundance and reaping the rewards, Cooking with Abundance, which I think should be the title of your next book. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love <laughs> One book at a time. Does. One book at a time. I know, I know. Get over <laughs> this one first. But I love when your mom visits and you guys cook together and it's so fun yes. to see what you're cooking in general, even on your own. So I have to ask, what did you do with all those potatoes? Because you oh, harvested, I don't know, so much. <laughs> a lot of, I'm still working on them, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, we actually made a really delicious meal recently with um, a recipe we actually saw on TikTok. I don't even know what to call it, but it felt like a, 
a chicken casserole of sorts with chopped up potatoes. And it was at the base of our, our tray that we, we were baking in. And then we grabbed uh, some chicken breast. We tenderized the breast. So we beat it down a little bit to make it a little bit more uh, malleable and, and more tender. And then inside the chicken breast, you would put mozzarella cheese. Mm. Or actually, first you would season the chicken with mustard, salt, pepper, and then on the and paprika. On the inside, you would put some cheese with some parsley, and then you would roll the chicken breast mm-hmm. and make a chicken roll essentially, and then place that in the, the the tray on top of the potatoes. Then you would add a nice layer of another layer of mayonnaise, cheese, and parsley on top, and bake all of that together. Mm. <gasps> I wish we made the video, but <laughs> it was so good, and it was our first time making it ever. So like, we were so shocked at how delicious it was, but it was like. It was so much fun. That's one of the great things about growing an abundance of food, especially things you never would have had otherwise. You can get really creative and have a lot of fun in the kitchen to be able to use all of these wonderful ingredients. So good. Now I want to try that. Yeah. I love just, I love roasting the chicken with the potatoes anyway, just because like, you know, all the juices get in there and it gets really nice and crispy. So I love the idea of doing the kind of like the roll Rotini? Is that what you say? Anyway. I just, <laughs> so chicken <smart>. roll. <laughs> it's a chicken roll for me. It's chicken roll. <laughs> Speaking of chickens, I, we have to talk about the chickens. How are the ladies doing? My chickens are doing so great. They are thriving. Actually, mm, they're looking a little wonky right now. Um, <laughs> chickens go through this little, <laughs> a little funny era every single year It's called molting, mm. um, where they shed feathers to make room for new ones to grow. It's a, it's a way of cl- cleaning themselves and just getting a new fresh coat on. Oh, but so they're look not looking so pretty so, right now? <laughs> no, they're looking a little raggedy, but that's okay. They'll make it through. Um, <laughs> it's, and when this happens, I just feed them more protein to like get them more feathers, help their feathers grow in. But it's such a funny thing to witness. <laughs> like uh, Chickens are so funny in themselves, the way they waddle and move their heads fast and cluck around. But seeing them like... <laughs> <laughs> a little bald in the process is really hilarious. So in one of your recent reels, you confessed that you were tired. You were like yeah. the crispy oh. vines in your garden. So yes. what will the winter season look like for you? How are you going to spend it? A lot of sleep, Laren. A <laughs> lot of sleep. I'm so ready to just hibernate. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I love, I love when the garden season hits and I'm just able to be outside and, you know, be one with nature throughout the garden, the growing season. But I'll be honest with you, by the end of it, I am exhausted because it's such a physically demanding labor of love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, on top of it, I'm not just gardening, I'm cooking with it. I'm creating immense amounts of content in the process. I was writing a book in the process. My partner also, my partner and I are also in the middle of building new state-of-the-art greenhouses. So like oh there's just, gosh. Th- this year has been so physically demanding. <laughs> and then like I go inside and I'm like, I need to harvest more tomatoes. Oh. <laughs> you know, like there's more, there's just always more to do. That's like I'm so excited nuts. for the first frost to hit um, just so I can finally rest and take it easy for a bit. And I, I've come to appreciate winter so much more now that I garden. Um, I'm, I grew up in Chicago, so you can imagine my relationship with winter yes. before this. I hated it. I know I, those I winters. It. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a brutal, it was a brutal, um, it was a brutal time, the winters in Chicago. But given here in Tennessee, the winters are a lot more mild. 
But even then with gardening, I've just grown a lot more appreciative of the slower months because the garden yet again has taught me a valuable lesson that rest Mm -hmm. is so important. And it reflects it in such a beautiful way because, you know, when winter comes, all of the leaves fall and visibly it looks like everything is bare and dead. Mm -hmm. But what's essentially happening is everything has gone to rest. And while it might look bare above ground, there's still a lot of work happening underneath the soil. Roots are still expanding. The foundation is still getting stronger. And that's literally what happens with us when we take the time to rest. We are taking care of ourselves. We are restoring our energy so that when spring comes, we are ready to grow and be more bountiful and more productive than ever. Uh, Well, you're reminding me that I need to sleep more. And I'm excited because come next spring, you will be releasing this book. So yes, yeah, I'm so excited. How fitting that it'll release in the spring. Um, I know. We, it's not like we planned that or anything. No, you didn't. Well, I, you should say <laughs> no, you did. We did. We did. We <laughs> did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> okay, good. <Phew. laughs> well, it'll be extra work for you, but oh my gosh, so rewarding. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to share this with the world. And I just can't wait to see what it does for people and the way it helps people. Like, I, I can't wait to hear what people think of the book. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, I'm thrilled for you. Okay, Brian, before I let you go, I have quick closing questions. What's something that you make when you're too tired, speaking of tired, to cook an emergency dinner? Oh, an emergency dinner. A tomato sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A tomato sandwich. Just cut up some bread. Cut up one of my beautiful, beautiful juicy tomatoes. Throw it on there. Maybe throw a piece of cheese. Sometimes I don't even throw anything else on there. Maybe some mayo. Mm. But I can I can just eat a tomato by itself. It is so good. Especially yeah. like all the amazing varieties you're able to grow when you grow them yourselves. Like pineapple tomatoes. Have you ever had a pineapple tomato? I don't know if I've ever had a what color is it? It's it's yellow with like red blushing on it. It is oh. it is a beautiful juicy, decadent tomato. Also pink jazz tomatoes. (laughs) It's like sometimes I I battle just getting the produce inside and making sure it makes it to the kitchen because I could just eat it right there on the spot. (laughs) That's what I would do. It would just, you know, one for me, one for the basket. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But these tomatoes are so big. I'm like, I wouldn't make it to the kitchen. I'd probably pass out because I'm so full. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like a meal, right? What's um, the one recipe that you treasure the most? You know, this season, especially with my abundance of tomatoes, I learned how to make tomato confit for the first time. And it has been a game changer in the kitchen. (laughs) One, it allows me to like use and preserve a lot of my harvests. And two, it's just such a delicious and versatile base ingredient to have, like tomato confit. You can literally just slab it on a piece of toast. I also throw in uh, garlic onion, rosemary when I make the confit. And it's just such a beautiful thing to have simply on toast or a beautiful base Mm. for like a soup or a stew. Um, It it is just, I'm so happy I discovered confit. (laughs) I love it so much. Oh, that's so, I love that. I'm actually going to make some kind of a version of that to put on pizza. And it's so easy to make. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to make. Yeah. I love an easy recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? I'm actually very neat in the kitchen. I clean as I go. I got that from my mom, for sure. <laughs> Aw, good mama. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? 
a good kitchen <laughs> clean as you go <laughs> no, there you go yeah <laughs> literally um let's see but for real I, i'd say have fun in the kitchen i feel like we we mm -hmm. put a lot of i mean in so many aspects of our life we put so much pressure on our on ourselves to make something perfect or make something like yeah just make something perfect but it doesn't always have to be that way in order to be delicious it don't gotta look perfect to taste good you know so just yeah. allow yourself to have fun and be creative in the kitchen and see what magic happens in the process oh good tip so every week i try to share five little things with my audience something that made me smile is there anything that made you smile this week yes absolutely um so like i mentioned we are in the process of building our greenhouses mm -hmm. A really big milestone. We finally got electricity oh, in our wow. greenhouses. Like I've I've worn many hats living on a farm, but one I learned one hat I just recently acquired is one of an electrician. Really, you <laughs> did worked, it yourself? Yeah, we had our friend who's an electrician come, but he taught us um, the process of like wiring things, and I wow. helped, and, and we were able to like wire our greenhouse, and now we have light in the greenhouse, which is great because. <laughs> When nighttime comes, we've just been working in, not in the dark, we have a, yeah. a work light, but it's been, it just sits in a corner and it's not ideal for the work we're doing. So we have light, we Yay. have power. It's like and discovering just, fire. <laughs> yes, literally, literally. And it's it, it really is such a great milestone in the greenhouse. And now a lot of more things are going to start happening because of it. It's kind of been a little bit of a hindrance, but now that we have light, oh my gosh, we're almost there. We're almost to the finish line. I can't wait. Wow. Well, Brian, I enjoy seeing all your abundance and I love that you are reaping the abundance as well in so many different ways. Where can everyone find you and your book and all the good things? Yes. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms and under Redley French, or you could visit our, re our website, redleyfranch.com. There you'll be able to find the a landing page for our book where you'll be able to pre-order it is available for pre-order um, and it will become available in spring of next year we're thinking march sometime in march so be on the lookout very exciting things to come yay that will be great thanks brian for spending today with me it was so nice to chat with you again thank you for having me it was so great talking with you Liren. every year i say i'm going to grow more fruits and vegetables and somehow Time gets in the way, or excuses. But this year is different, and I have to thank Brian for really motivating me. Thanks again to Brian for helping me find abundance, and to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. <laughs>